This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, August 14th. For years, there's been a huge debate in America about a Chinese company called Huawei. Huawei is the largest telecom company in the world. They make smartphones. They also build, sell, and install the antennas and other gear at the core of cell phone networks. The networks Huawei has built stretch across the globe in Asia, Europe, Africa, and Latin America, just about everywhere, except the United States. Huawei equipment is banned in the U.S. American politicians say that Huawei is a national security threat, and they've urged other countries not to do business with them. Huawei in the United States would be like a Trojan horse ready to steal more information. It's much simpler not to do any business with Huawei, so we're not doing business with Huawei. We should ban them. They are a threat to our national security. We can't think about Huawei the way we do about Verizon or AT&T or any of these other companies, because Chinese law says if we tell you to spy, you have to spy. Huawei has to give the Chinese anything they ask for. The American government has never offered proof that Huawei has spied on behalf of the Chinese government. But an investigation by the Wall Street Journal has found that Huawei employees have helped governments spy, just not in the way the U.S. has feared. The investigation spans the globe, but it starts here, in Uganda, with Bobby Wine. It was 9th of October 1962 when the nation was born. Bobby Wine is a popular singer. He's mostly a sort of Afrobeats musician from Kampala, which is the capital of Uganda. Several years ago, he started to work political messages into his music. He talks about his background growing up poor and how the government never really cared about people like him. And then he decided eventually to get him directly involved in politics and he ran for office when he won in 2017. That really put him on the map. Our colleague Josh Chin has been covering Bobby Wine's story. Bobby Wine's political message is basically that he wants to bring power back to the people. It's a bit of a populist message. It's a reformist message. As a member of parliament, Bobby Wine has called the Ugandan government oppressive and corrupt. At political rallies and concerts, he's railed against Uganda's longtime president, Yoweri Museveni. And last month, Wine announced that he'll challenge Museveni in the next election. Of course, this vocal opposition does not make Bobby Wine popular with Ugandan officials. For years, they've done what they can to try and silence him. Bobby Wine's greatest political weapon is his ability to put on concerts and to attract huge crowds, uh, sort of almost at a moment's notice. 
And so the government has been trying to break up his concerts as much as they can. At a political rally last year, things got violent. Police came in and broke it up. Bobby Wine's driver was shot. Police later said it was a stray bullet, that a lot of people think that the bullet was meant for Wine. Right after this happened, Wine sort of felt something was up. Because after all that happened, I'd escaped into one of the hotel rooms, a random hotel room. They searched for me the entire night. When they arrested me, of course, they beat me so hard. They broke part of my skull, um, dislocated my back, and did horrible things to me. After this incident, Bobby Wine traveled to the U.S. for medical treatment. And he started thinking, how did the government find me after I escaped into a random hotel? He suspected he was being surveilled, that the government was wiretapping his phone. Wine returned to Uganda, and instead of hiding, he stepped up his efforts and decided to organize a concert. But this time he took some precautionary measures. He and his crew, most of them are all from the same neighborhood in Kampala. In order to mask what's happening, they used a sort of slang uh, that's specific to that neighborhood that they know the police won't understand. And the police, it turns out, had wiretapped him. They were listening. And they didn't understand, which presented them with a real problem. They have no idea what he's doing. They know he's up to something. They also know that he's using WhatsApp, but they can't listen in on WhatsApp calls or read those messages because those are encrypted. And so that's when they decide that they're going to have to try to get into his phone. But the Ugandan police couldn't do it. They tried a lot of things to get into Wine's encrypted WhatsApp messages. They'd even gotten some spyware that was supposed to help. But nothing worked. And then, in December 2018, Ugandan senior officials say they turned to Huawei employees. There has never been evidence before of Huawei employees helping a government intercept private, encrypted messages. But now, senior security officials in Uganda say that's exactly what happened. And here's how they did it. Our investigation found Huawei engineers were basically able to take this spyware that the Ugandan police couldn't quite figure out. And they tricked Bobby Wan into clicking on a link. It downloaded the spyware into his phone. And then the Huawei technicians were able to use that spyware to sort of see everything that was happening on, on Bobby Wan's phone, including the messages in his WhatsApp groups. And what did the Ugandan police start to do with the information that they were finding there? They saw Bobby Wine sort of discussing meetings, trying to arrange concerts. He was planning to secretly insert 11 opposition politicians into the concert program. Also that they were planning to hold the concerts sort of earlier in the day than usual in order to sort of throw the police off. And so using this information, the police, they were able to swoop in. They arrested a bunch of organizers and a bunch of the attendees. And they even managed to arrest some of the opposition politicians before they even arrived at the concert venue uh, and basically shut it down entirely. How does Bobby Wine describe that raid? He was shocked. He had he had no idea. He thought that he'd been really careful. They, you know, they'd been talking in code. They'd been only using encrypted apps. He had no idea at the time how the police had, had sniffed all this out. And what can you say about how you were able to figure this out? 
So the way we heard about this was through multiple sources with the Ugandan police, including sources who were involved. So one of the police intelligence sources showed a colleague of mine screenshots of Bobby Wine's WhatsApp messages. Huawei has had a presence in Uganda for more than a decade. The Ugandan government originally brought in the company to build its cell phone and internet network. Uganda is just one of 40 African nations where Huawei has built telecom networks. At the time of this incident with Wine, Huawei was installing a new service in Uganda, a camera surveillance system. And as part of that installation, Huawei sent out employees to help train the police on how to use it. Our sources said they sent out a couple technicians to be sort of embedded basically with the Ugandan police intelligence unit. And their initial purpose was to train the Ugandan police in how to monitor the internet, sort of the way that Chinese authorities do, monitor the internet, censor it, that sort of stuff. And so just they happened to be there working with the police when the Ugandan police were having this issue with trying to get into Bobby Wan's phone. Ugandan officials confirmed that Huawei employees were working with its police and intelligence agencies for national security purposes. They declined to comment on the specific allegations of intercepting communications. But they did add that Bobby Wine isn't important enough to warrant extra surveillance. Huawei responded to this story with a strong denial. The company said it, quote, rejects completely these unfounded and inaccurate allegations against our business operations. The company also said it conducted its own internal investigation and found that its employees, quote, have not been engaged in any of the activities alleged. They said we have neither the contracts nor the capabilities to do so. Finally, Huawei said that it prides itself on its compliance with local laws and regulations and that its code of business conduct prohibits employees from compromising customer data. But Uganda's use of digital spying isn't the only one the journal's investigation uncovered. Josh and a team of journal reporters also found another example of Huawei employees helping a government surveil opponents. In Zambia, police told us that Huawei technicians helped them track down and arrest a group of opposition bloggers by tracing the location of their mobile phone signals. The spokesman for for Zambia's ruling party confirmed that Huawei technicians were helping the the Zambian telecom regulator track down opposition news sites. Huawei said it doesn't do business with the cybercrime crack squad in Zambia, which is the team behind the arrests of the opposition bloggers. The journal didn't find any evidence that Huawei executives in China knew of, directed, or approved the alleged operations in Uganda or Zambia. But these incidents put a spotlight on the type of surveillance systems that Huawei has sold to these countries. Those systems are part of Huawei's effort to become a dominant supplier of surveillance equipment around the globe. How those systems work and what places are buying them That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Citizen M. 
There's no better feeling than finishing work for the day, sipping an ice-cold soda, and nestling down into a Citizen M bed. Recharge your brain and batteries at Citizen M Hotels. They're in the tech cities. Menlo Park, Miami, Austin, New York, San Francisco, where people like you work, sleep, and play. Book now at citizenm.com slash the journal. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. In Uganda and more than 100 other places, Huawei has installed surveillance systems, things like cameras and facial recognition software. It's a whole line of business for the tech giant. It's often under the brand name Safe Cities. The Safe City systems are mostly based on installing cameras at intersections in what the government might think of as problem areas. Some of these cameras would be equipped with facial recognition. So then you could have a database of a certain number of individuals who are either criminal suspects or, you know, if you're Uganda, maybe it's political activists, dissidents. Uh, And then those cameras will sort of, they can automatically recognize and flag the location of of those people when they pop up. And then all of that information goes in into a central repository that the police are able to access. So it gives the police and it gives the government, at least theoretically, a kind of view into what's happening all around the city. Mm -hmm. This is the next wave of policing. These are the the technologies that law enforcement agencies around the world really, really want. And it's not just countries in the developing world. Huawei is selling these systems in Europe. Um, There are police departments in the U.S. that are exploring similar kinds of technology. So, So it really does seem this is going to be the next trend in security. All governments around the world in the past have used technology to to spy on their own citizens to one degree or another. Uh, But in the past, that's been sort of difficult and expensive. And what Huawei's systems do is offer the potential to expand and normalize this idea of using technology to spy uh, on a country's citizens. These sorts of tools in Uganda, at the very least, and in other countries as well, have shown that they can really solidify the grip of those people who are in power and, and, and frustrate the democratic process. It's not really clear yet what, what that's going to mean. The way Huawei employees have allegedly helped the governments of Uganda and Zambia spy on political opponents may provide ammunition for Huawei's detractors. The situation in Uganda... It's just not a smoking gun from the U.S. perspective of showing Huawei actively spying on behalf of the Chinese government, uh, but it shows that employees of Huawei are helping uh, authoritarian governments access data in ways that uh, violate traditional norms about data security. I mean, it's also a big deal just in the sense of what's at stake here, right, which is this, this sort of there's two different visions of, of the Internet and of technology at work. And one is this U.S.-led 
vision of the internet, which for better or worse is, is a sort of open global internet where people can connect across borders. And then the other vision is the, is the Chinese vision where governments are free to manage the internet however they see fit. Uh, and that can include censoring it and using it to conduct surveillance on political opponents. For political opponents like Bobby Wine, if his country continues to operate under the Chinese vision of the internet, all he can do is adapt. We went to his, his home. All right, it's beautiful. Hi, thank you. We sort of asked him what he does now, now that he knows that the Ugandan government is tracking his phone. And he basically showed us a stack of phones that he uses. So we're playing a cat and mouse game here. Uh, it's a question of outsmarting each other. I try to move as incognito as possible. I keep changing phones and SIM cards. They never know which number I use at what time. And I've encouraged my friends to do the same. That's all for today. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Today's story was also reported by Joe Parkinson, Nicolas Barrio, and Clement Burge. Thanks for listening. See you on Friday.